lesson here. So, dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for the fact that uh, you are a God who stays, that you're, you're long-suffering, as we looked at last time I was up here speaking, that, that you never leave us nor forsake us. You're a God that um, uh, was long-suffering the fact that you're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, have a change of mind about uh, their position um, on this earth, and by accepting you as their personal Savior by faith and trust in that your death, burial, and resurrection, they get to spend eternity with you. So we're so thankful for the free gift of salvation, the simple plan that it is. Thankful for each and every person here this morning. Pray that uh, the Spirit would uh, direct with my words and uh, the Spirit of God would work on the hearts in each and every, of each and every person here today uh, that they might find some encouragement from this lesson this morning. We even just pray for the Sunday school program, the, the teachers who are um, laboring and, and preparing lessons, and, and uh, pray for the young people that are that hearing those lessons, that uh, today might be the day of salvation for, for another soul. And we just are so encouraged about just even the report about camp, hearing a couple of young people getting saved, and pray for that. Pray that the Spirit of God would continue to work on their hearts. And um, that you would undertake with the lessons that were taught there that would sink in with all the, the young people that were at camp and that are saved, that it might be a chance for them to just uh, get established and strengthened in their faith as well, too. We're so thankful for the time this morning. Pray for those that aren't able to be here, with it, whether it be for uh, illness or whatever the case might be. Pray for those that we know that are going through some health uh, trials and struggles. Pray that you would encourage them, uplift them. Pray that they would just... Uh, cast their gaze on you and know that you're, you're a God of, of all peace and as we'll find out today. We're just so thankful for that. Thankful for the time this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so there's a, a few new things up here. So, you know, I, we got a new clicker, so you're going to have to bear with me today here. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty uh, a linear guy, you know. I, I, don't, I don't adapt well to change, so they're throwing a little curveball at me here, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to make her work, so hopefully that's good. But, um, if you're familiar with what we've been talking about here with my recent installments and when I'm speaking, it's uh, God's attributes. So that's, um, this is kind of the next one. It's, it's the peace of God, that God is a God of peace. And as I was uh, going through this, I'm going to kind of skip through a few slides here. I, I don't really feel the need to cover uh, some of the other stuff that, that we've been going through recently. But, um, but as, if we think about the idea of peace and we think about Peace from a standpoint of what's, what's the world's perspective of peace, right? We could think about the fact that there's no wars or battles um, with other countries, right? If your country is in a, in a situation where you're in a state of peace, um, you know, th- that would be a, a peaceful time or a, maybe a, a nation that is, is historically been peaceful. You think of, say, like Switzerland or, or whatever the case might be. Uh, maybe there's some other nations as well, too, but... We know that that peace is, uh, from an earthly perspective, that's a temporary peace, right? That's, that's a peace that um, history has taught us that that is temporary, as there's always wars and rumors of wars um, moving forward. What, what about another, uh, this might hit home with some of you folks here, what about uh, peace from like the 60s and 70s, right? Um, there, you know, I was born in 1971, so, you know, I that was kind of not really my, my cup of tea or whatever. I was probably too young for that, but I'm sure there's a few of you folks here that maybe kind of went through the, the kind of the hippie age and, and uh, peace and, and love and all that good stuff. You know, that's what, you know, the world might say, uh, you know, peace bro or chill out dude and things like that. Um, 
again, that, that piece was, uh, <clears throat> you know, likely temporary from st- some standpoint and probably likely uh, con- uh, attained by some controlled substance or whatever the case might be. But, but so there's different views of, of peace or whatever the, the thing we have here. But it, with our uh, VBS uh, this week, our Vacation Bible School, we have thoughts for the day, and one of the thoughts for the day was, was my personal favorite. When Kristen um, Spaeth had proposed it to me, I said this was always one of my favorites, and it's no God, no peace, no God, no peace, K-N-O-W, God, no peace. So that's, that was the title for our lesson today. I, I thought that from a standpoint, you think about knowing God and, and, and knowing peace. I, I, I love this thought for the day. It's always been one of my favorites, probably because it was pretty easy to learn as a young kid who, who uh, would go to VBS and get pretty anxious about memorizing the thought for the day in case my name got called. Uh, this was a pretty easy one, so uh, it's, all, it's always stuck with me. Uh, I always tell somebody on, on Wednesday that this is painted on the side of a barn on I-70 in Kansas, and, and uh, so I love when I come back from Colorado that way. I, just, I, I always look for that barn there, and it says, no God, no peace, no God, no peace. So um, ultimately, the idea of knowing peace, K-N-O-W, having a knowledge of peace and understanding peace, comes from knowing our God. And that's what this study on the attributes has been all about, right? It's been about getting to know our God, getting to know who God is. And uh, we can think about that as we looked at the, some of the past attributes that we saw, his faithfulness, his mercy, his goodness, his wisdom, his the fact that God is long-suffering, uh, he's omniscient, omnipotent, you know, all these other attributes. Um, ultimately, we can know that by knowing and get, having a better understanding of who God is. And how do you get to know somebody? How do you get to know somebody or something? You spend time with them, right? So when it comes to knowing God and knowing his peace, how do we know his peace? How do we get to understand his peace? And what is his peace? Well, it comes from reading your Bible. It comes from spending time in the Word of God. It comes from uh, coming out to church and, and uh, being led and taught and fed. It comes from prayer, uh, yielding to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go through all this stuff today uh, in, in the lesson this morning. So um, it was interesting. The last week I was uh, uh, driving around and, and listening to, uh, there was a, a gospel, I, I like some gospel bluegrass, and there was a song that popped up and it said uh, it was from the, the King James Boys is the name of the group and it was called The Devil's Not Afraid of a Dust-Covered Bible. And I thought it was, and it, I come to find out, I, I thought it was just a really interesting quote and it's an old C.H. Uh, C. Spurgeon quote actually. And, um, but you think about that and you think, you know, the idea that we can have and, and you know, it's, it's convicting to me, right? And I hope it's convicting to you as well too that, you know, the devil's not afraid of a dust-covered Bible. You know, if we just grab our Bible and leave it sit there, the idea is that's how, that's how we don't understand all the provisions that God has for us, right? Is we're not spending time in his word. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting uh, little, little nugget there as I was going through my week. So if we think about, this is from an old uh, message I did on worry, and uh, so it's a pretty old, dated uh, uh, little exhibit there or whatever. But you think about when does God's peace or when does the peace of God come in handy for us, right? We've got so many um, trials. We have um, financial concerns. We have um, uh, 
failures in our life. We have different fears in our life. We have issues with our family. We have issues with our friends. We have issues with our coworkers. We have, you know, when do we need God's peace? I would say we need God's peace all the time. And the, the neat thing about God's peace is it's readily available for us. It's readily available for us. And, and hopefully, as we go through this lesson today, um, you can, I, I always liken this to, I've spent the last, you know, a couple weeks or a few weeks kind of going through and preparing this le- lesson. And so it's kind of like, a, you know, it's, it's my own little personal devotional or, or a Bible study. So um, the idea is hopefully you have a chance to kind of see exactly um, maybe some of the truths that the Holy Spirit has revealed to me uh, through the Word of God here. So hopefully it's encouraging. I, I trust it will be. So the idea today is I'd like to go through, kind of define what peace is, see that it's a part of God's character. We want to see that um, the difference between peace with God and the peace of God. And then we want to just look at some, of, some biblical truths about God's peace. And uh, we'll close it with peace uh, in the names of God. I always like to take a look at that. So um, the first thing I want to cover today is um, kind of just defining what peace is. So again, we'll go through these pretty rapidly. The idea of peace being a cessation of or freedom from any strife or dissension. So there's no strife or dissension. So that would be the idea of peace. What else is another definition? Well, it would be freedom of the mind from annoyance, distraction, anxiety, or an obsession. So we have all these things that would, you know, kind of are, are free from our mind. That would give us peace, these, uh, these distractions, these worries, these, uh, these anxieties. Um, so if, if we don't have any of those, that's the idea of, of having peace here. A uh, state of tranquility or serenity, Another definition of peace, and then silence or stillness. We can think about sometimes the stillness of a morning or, or um, you know, the, the silence of an evening after you put your kids into bed, right? If you, you know, any of us that have parents or young kids, or my kids aren't as young as, anymore, and my kids are at the age now where they stay all, all stay up later than I do, so, um, but um, they're probably, they probably get peace when I go to bed, I suppose, or whatever, but... Um, so I'm a di- different, different season of life for, for me right now. But, um, so yeah, you have this idea of, of peace. The Hebrew word for peace is uh, shalom, and it talks about a calm and tranquility um, of people, groups, or nations. And that, that's, what, that's what that means. We think about maybe some synonyms of, of the word peace, the idea of serenity or, or content or calm or, or quietness. So, so that's what we're looking at here when we're looking at the peace of God. Um, <clears throat> so the next thing, we, and I always do this with all the different attributes, is I like to talk about the fact that these attributes are all part of his very nature, his very character. And the neat thing that I always like to look at with the attributes of God is, is how they all kind of are interconnected with each other. That's, that's what I always find so fascinating. So I, I just try to grab a couple verses here as we take a look at it, and we look at God's peace and the fact that it's tied with his, his overall character here. So, um, as Paul, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 13. As, as Paul closes this letter to the church at Corinth, it says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you all. So God is a God of love and peace. Um, two attributes of God that kind of tie together and go together. 
How about in uh, James chapter 3, verse 17? Um, we, we saw this on, on the lesson where we did, uh, I did this verse on, on the only wise God. God is wisdom. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. So again, a whole bevy of God's attributes there. Wisdom, he's peaceable, he's gentle, he's merciful, he's good, um, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So we take a look at this and know that God's peace is interwoven into all the attributes of God. In Micah chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, where it's discussing uh, an Old Testament book that's discussing the prophecy or the, the, the Lord is the coming Messiah. And it, it, it uh, refers to in that passage earlier in verses three or four, it says that God is a God of eternal life. He's everlasting. And, he's, and it talks about his omnipotence. And then in verse five, it says, and this one, this God, this Messiah, shall be peace. So we see, again, these attributes tied together here. And then the last one I have is, is Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So again, we're seeing all these different attributes, all these different characteristics of God tied together as we're looking at his, his attribute of peace here this morning. So the next thing I want to do is kind of go through the different um, Peace with God and peace of God. So there's a couple different differences there that are, are fairly distinct um, as you look at it in the word of God. So the idea of having peace with God, and we think about having peace with God being something that speaks more to his first tense salvation, right? So the idea of peace with God, if you are not saved, you do not have peace with God. Remember the start of our thought for the day? No God, no peace. N-O God, N-O peace, right? So we have this idea here. Well, there it is. I had it right on my slide. In Isaiah 48, 22 and 57, 21, this verse, these verses say the exact same thing. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. So this idea that man... What do we know about man? Well, man is in a predicament, right? Man is born into sin. In Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned and come short, have fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 3.10, it says, for there's none righteous, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses are what? They're filthy rags. So man is in a problem. He, he, I, we are all born with an inherent sin nature, Right? And God, we've seen some of God's other attributes, his attribute of, of his perfect righteousness, his perfect justice. The fact that God is a perfectly righteous and just God cannot fellowship, cannot have uh, interaction with a sinful man, right? He, he, there's, there's, it, just, it doesn't work. But we see here, so we see that first thing is, is man has a problem. We see that right here. Whoops. All right. There's probably a way to do this here, but I'm just going to forego the, the, the point here. Man's got a problem. Man's problem is sin, right? We see that on the slide. Um, it says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is what? 
The penalty for sin is death. But what's the second half of that verse? The second half of the verse is in the encouragement side. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the first issue here is man has a problem, right? We all have a problem. We're all born sinners. Um, We're all born at enmity with God, right? But the, the second part of that, the second part is, is that God provides a solution. And that solution is he made a way for us where there's no other way on our own. We, we can't get there on our own merits. Whatever we stack up is not going to uh, measure up. So well, the, the way that he made for us is he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, down to earth. He walked on the earth for 33 years, and then he was crucified, he hung on that cross, and he paid the penalty for our sins. Um, so we see that here, that in his, another one of God's attributes, his attribute of love, he sends his son down to earth to hang on that cross, to die on the cross, hang, you know, pay the penalty of every sin, past, present, and future, was cast on him on that cross. And God the Father had to turn his back from him. And, turn, and, and he died, he voluntarily went to that cross and died for us. So he paid the penalty. That, that's, you know, sin, the, the fact that we're sinners, we demand there, a penalty has to be paid. Jesus Christ, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay that penalty for our sins. In Romans 5, 8 it says, but God demonstrates his love toward us, that attribute of love, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we have this idea here that a God of love gives his son to die for us. So we have the, we've seen that man has a problem, man's a sinner, God provides a solution. The third step is what do you say about that, right? Even if you, do, even if you look at this, this overhead here, um, that I have. Okay, now I'm going to try to use the pointer. Oh, there you go. Look at that. So, the idea of getting to eternal life is you have to accept that payment, right? So, the response on your side is to believe it. Simply have trust and say, I believe that. I believe, Lord, what you did for me. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a simple act of belief, right? Acts 16.31, Paul and Silas said to the Philippian jailer, Sirs, he says, what, what must I do to be saved? He falls down on his knees. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that simple. We need to, we need to remember that. And, you know, there's so many things that, that the world puts out there, that religion puts out there, that... Uh, make us, uh, you know, tr- create a, a list of check marks and do's and don'ts that, that we have to be doing to, to uh, be accepted by God. And God, God, God says, um, the only way to me um, is I'm the door, right? It's through what his son did for us on the cross. And we need to respond by faith to that completed work. And that, what ultimately ends up happening with that is... We see here in Romans 5, 1 and 2, it says, therefore, having been justified, justification means to be declared righteous, 
right? When, 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 God, when, when Christ hung on that cross and paid the penalty for our sin, he's, he has justified us. He has declared us righteous. He has paid the penalty that we deserve. And having been justified by faith, that's a simple act of faith. There's nothing that we have to do. There's no list of do's and don'ts. We have peace with God. This is the peace with God that I'm talking about. Now we have a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we have this idea here of peace with God and that being a, a first tense salvation, looking at uh, the fact that, that, that it's, uh, um, it occurs at a, a point in time that we're, we, we're saved. We get saved, and now instantly we have peace with God. We now have a relationship with God. And why is that? Well, because the Holy Spirit indwells us. We now have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Peace with God is a settled thing with each one who has accepted Christ as their personal Savior. Those, there's no question mark. If you're a believer, you have peace with God. And that's, that's pretty, pretty encouraging to look at that and, and think about that. Well, what's the next one? So we have peace with God, and we have peace of God is, is the next one. Peace of God deals more with second tense salvation. Having a, um, where it's more linked to our rest and our reliance as we live the Christian life, right? Once we get saved, we now have the Holy Spirit that indwells us. So what, what's, what's our occupation? We're, where are we fixating our focus? Are we fixating our focus on the Lord? Or are we fixating our focus on everything that's going on around us? Are we thinking about things that cause us anxiety, uh, fear, worry, doubt? Um, are we trusting in God? Are we looking to the Lord amidst trials and tribulations? Um, are we spending time in his word? Again, how do we, how do we know God's peace? We spend time. How do we know peace? We spend time in the word of God. So think about this now. We have the peace of God in second tense salvation. And I want to take a look at some biblical truths about the peace of God. And this is really just done from you know, spending some time looking. There's probably many other biblical truths about the peace of God. But obviously in the, the, uh, the idea of time here, we just want to cover some of them. But I, I, I thought this kind of was... Encouraging for me as I went through it, I guess. So, some biblical truths about the peace of God. The first one here. It is always available for his children. Now think about that. If you become a child of God, his peace is always available. That's pretty encouraging. That his peace is always available. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now that may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. Always in every way. You talk about, uh, I remember once years ago, I think it was Bert Spaeth did a message on absolutes. And uh, it, was, it was at a youth thing, a youth gathering, and I was there with him and, and uh always in every way and you talk about the absolutes you know that's that's you know this this is in the word of god all scripture is given by the inspiration of god is profitable for doctrine for proof for correction for instruction in righteousness these words are god breathed now may the lord of peace himself give you 
a child of God, a believer, someone who is in God's family, peace always in every way. Um, that's pretty encouraging, right? That is, you know, you always have peace in every way. Now, I can speak from my own experience, um, you know, 52 years on this earth. Um, I don't always trust in that promise, right? I'm sure each and every one of you has been in situations that, that you are not trusting in that promise, but the Lord of peace himself shall give you peace always in every way. Whatever circumstances around you, whatever um, trial is, is fa- you're faced with, we can be encouraged by the fact that the Lord of peace gives us peace always. provides a lot of peace for me, I'll be honest with you. Um, it's been something that I think the Lord has, has allowed me to, to grow in that area. Um, uh, but 
it's, you know, I've said this before, usually before I come up here and speak, the last song we sing, and I love to sing, I can't even sing, I can't even, my mouth gets so dry, I get so, so anxious, um, you know, kind of, kind of convicting when you're doing a lesson on God is peace and not to have worry and anxiety, and, <laughs> and it still happens to you, right? Happened again. I mean, not going to lie, happened again. So whatever, that, you know, uh, the, the day anyone says that someone's uh, got it all figured out in this, this life is, uh, we're, we're all going to be up in our new, uh, new kingdom and new, he- new heavens and new earth, I think, is the day we'll all have it figured out. But, um, but hey, this is, this is a moment-by-moment thing, right? The peace of God, we have, it's, it's provided by God. It's always available. Um, we, we can't understand it. It transcends our thinking. It, it surpasses our, even, our, our knowledge and understanding. But it's there. He still provides it. But we're, we're all works in progress, right? I mean, we're, we're, this, is a, this is a moment-by-moment thing. Um, how about Psalm 2911? The Lord will give, us, give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. This peace is provided by God. Isaiah 26, 12 in the NIV says, Lord, you establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. Again, this is just, this is a good reminder. You, the Lord has established peace for us, but the second half of that verse is just a good reminder that everything that we have is given to us. He's accomplished everything for us. It's, it's nothing that, that we've done. It's all by the fact that we get a chance to uh, have a heavenly Father who's sent His His Spirit, Holy Spirit, to indwell us, um, and th- th- that peace is provided by God. Um, you, you think about this: we don't strive to obtain this peace; it's provided via rest and reliance on the Lord. Its peace isn't a result of our own willpower; it's not a result of our own strength, determination. Uh, we just got to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and, and get God's peace, right? It's, that's not how it works. It's given by Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, himself by us doing what? Resting and relying on him, yielding to the Holy Spirit. That's how we have that, this peace. Um, so we've seen it's available for his children. It's not understood. It's provided by God. What else? It is perfect, Right? Isaiah 23, 6. I might have it there. There you go. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So this peace, the peace of God, it's perfect. It's exactly what the Lord, how he designed it, and it's what he has for us. So God's peace is perfect. It's an undisturbed peace of mind free and free from anxiety, from worry, from fear, from doubt, from failures, you name it. That's what God's peace is. And it's not something that should be, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it's, 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 we have the ability to, to obtain that peace. But it's by... Where, where, is our, where is our focus fixed? Where is our gaze casted? Is it casted toward the Lord? Or are we looking at the situations around us? 
What's the fifth point here? Biblical truths about God's peace. It provides safety and security. God's peace provides safety and security. There's a quote from Lehman Strauss. Um, it's, it's one of the, it's just a book that I have a, uh, that I gotten from Gary Gardeski actually um, about uh, different attributes of God. And it, uh, this Lehman Strauss, I don't know too much about him. It just, the book is pr- pretty good. I just, you know, leaf through it occasionally. But um, this quote says, and he says, when we trust completely in our Heavenly Father, His peace guards as with a garrison, and our hearts and minds are secure. So that's the idea, is we have the peace of God, we have God's peace guarding us as with a garrison. And if you think about a garrison and, and uh, um, you know, a fortress or whatever the case might be, and that secures our hearts and minds. What, what in it? I just thought it was a really neat quote and, and just to uh, be encouraged by that. So it provides God's peace. The peace of God provides safety and security. Psalm 48 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, David says, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. That's how you can have that peace amidst trials, amidst circumstances, amidst, amidst whatever would come your way. God's peace provides safety and security. And what an encouragement that is. John sixteen thirty three. these things I have spoken to you, that in me you, have, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. You know, God says we're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So again, all these verses just, to me, provide a great reminder of some of the biblical truths about God's peace. And I'm sure there's many others. Um, I just, I thought it was, it's, I always like pulling some of those little nuggets from, from verses when, when I go through the attributes here. So, Can we have the peace of God? That's the question, right? Can we have the peace of God? And that's, frankly, that's the challenge for us. As we live the Christian life, um, it, it's, uh, and, and it's been interesting as I've been studying this, you, how easily swayed we are by different circumstances that arise. And I, it's been more evident this past couple weeks as I've been just kind of honing in on this lesson how, how instantly you can go from uh, having, you know, a peace or a calmness about something to, to all of a sudden being anxious about something, being upset, being irritated, being agitated, whatever the case might be. Um, so, again, this is, this is the challenge. But we can have the peace of God, but it's not in our own strength. And that's, that's the thing to remember here. Um, if you think about the, uh, the idea of us being, you know, uh, 
human, a person, what, what, what do we have? We have a, we're born with a sin nature. I have old sin nature now because the, the moment we get saved, so we're born with an inherent sin nature, right? In uh, Romans 5, 12, where first by one man, Adam, sin entered in the world. So we're born with an inherent sin nature. But the moment we become saved, what happens? Well, the Holy Spirit indwells us. So we have this idea, like inside of us, we, our sin nature now becomes the, the, uh, the old sin nature, and we have the Holy Spirit. And the idea is, when we're yielding to the Holy Spirit, we can produce, what, what we produce is peace. Right? We can have that peace. Um, the old sin nature... What's the mentality of the old sin nature? When we're yielding to the old sin nature, the idea is me first, right? We have this human viewpoint perspective. And, um, you know, it says in, in Matthew that no man can serve two masters. We're either out of fellowship, letting the sin nature control us, the old sin nature control us, or we're in fellowship, letting the Holy Spirit, yielding to the Holy Spirit, um, and the idea of the Holy Spirit would produce divine viewpoint. Turn in your Bibles to, I don't think I have it, but turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. I haven't really done much. I got a couple more passages to go to here as we go on, but uh, let's just, we got we to gotta crack these things open. Galatians 5, 5.22. And it's a common, uh, familiar passage. We all know it. Galatians 5.22. So if we're yielding to the Holy Spirit and we're letting the, whole, the you know, We have a divine viewpoint thinking, right? That's our perspective. And what is the Spirit of God producing in us? Or what can the Spirit of God produce in us? But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22 of Galatians 5, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what the Spirit of God can produce in us. We don't do that. Any of those qualities, any of those characteristics, it's certainly not coming from our own thinking. It's not coming from our own mindset. Um, when I'm not thinking right, my first response is not love. When I'm not thinking right, my first response is not joy. And when, my, when I'm not thinking right, my first response is definitely not peace. Um, and it's, it's interesting. You know, that, that's why... You, when you're living the Christian life, I mean, this is a moment-by-moment thing, right? Um, I think we could all attest to that. This is moment-by-moment. Um, and, and the Lord, you know, the Lord doesn't want us to, to beat ourselves up over it, right? That's why he gives us 1 John 1.9. We, we, we find ourselves out of whack. We find ourselves with our, with our thinking off and our mindset off. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The idea here is confession is about agreeing and understanding that, you know, the, the idea of the word in Greek is to, to say the same thing, is to say the same thing as God, to acknowledge, hey, I, I'm, my thinking's off here, God, and I need to kind of reset my bearings, Right? That, that's, that's all. You, you don't have to... Confession isn't anything more than that. Getting yourself kind of realigned and, and resting and relying on the Spirit of God rather than my own thinking. And it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, when, when I was younger, I used to... 
it's it's almost like a, you think, well, how, how do how do I confess my sins? How, how do I do I have to list them all? And it's it, the idea. It's it's just it's just having a change of mindset, kind of re reorienting yourself. Essentially, is what it comes down to. Um, it, it's uh, you know, and and the, God gives us now the ability. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He forgives us our sins, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now we are back kind of in tune with him, yielding to the Holy Spirit and operating under divine viewpoint. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what, um, that's what confession is. That, that's what is kind of reorienting yourself, I guess, would be um, the best way to say it. Um, turn, we're in Galatians. Turn over a, a couple pages to Galatians, or Ephesians, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1. Last time I spoke, we talked about this, uh, about long-suffering, the idea that God is a long-suffering, patient, long-tempered God. Um, <clears throat> and we see that in this same passage here about the, having the bond of peace. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says here, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love. Again, all these, these attributes that, that God's attributes that, that we can exhibit by yielding to the Holy Spirit. We can't exhibit these attributes in perfection like God does. But verse 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's what should define our Christian walk, our second tense walk, the moment-by-moment walk living the Christian life. We see the importance of humility, lowliness. We see the importance of gentleness, long-suffering, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Again, this is only a byproduct of a continual rest and reliance on him. It's nothing that we're doing. It's nothing that... um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get that peace of God. It's rest and rely on him and have a great, greater understanding of who, is, of who he is. Spend time in his word. Uh, spend time, um, even I would encourage you, some of these passages um, that I had on here, just, you know, spend time, you know, looking at them. And, and it just, it's been incredibly encouraging for me looking at the fact that how God is a God of peace. And if the more we know God, we can know peace and have a, a, a deeper understanding of what that peace is. Um, the last thing I, I like to cover here always, if, if we can find some, is uh, the names of God uh, in the Bible. And it's, it's always really encouraging from that perspective. Um, so the first one is uh, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. So turn in your Bibles uh, to Judges chapter 6. <clears throat> if you were here on Wednesday night, uh, you got a little dose of this. Uh, Mr. Layman went through Judges chapter 6, and uh, you know, he's talking about Gideon, and, and, uh, but it was also part of my message as well, too. So we're going to, I probably, I'll just, I'll just cover a few verses here. But verse 24 talks about Jehovah Shalom, so I couldn't really pull it out of my lesson once, once uh, Mr. Layman went through it. But. Um, the idea here of the judges, I, I thought that Mr. Lehman brought out was really good. He's talked about the idea that 
there was two themes in the judges, the unfaithfulness of man and the faithfulness of God. And we see that in Judges chapter 6, 1. It says, the children of the Lord, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. So the idea of that uh, they sinned against the Lord, uh, a Gentile nation, the, the Midianites kind of took them, uh, take them under bondage, uh, take them, you know, and then uh, verse 8 and 9 says, and the, God, the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. So this idea of that man is unfaithful, but in verses 8 and 9 that God is faithful, right? And he, he continually provided for them and he continually delivers uh, delivers them. So, but what I wanted to see here as, as we go through, um, I think it'd probably be best if we just read through this passage here. Or verse 11, let's, let's start in verse 11, Judges 6, 11. It says here, uh, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Orphra, Orphra, whatever, that which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our father told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of Midianites. So we see here that Gideon is, is kind of maybe doubting, discouraged, kind of questioning. And uh, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Gideon says, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house. So Gideon's focus is off here. He's saying, how can I save? My clan is the weakest. I am the least. Um, Again, how many times do we do that? When our, when our focus is on ourself, that's not what the Lord wants. He, he says, I mean, part of it is, is yeah, you're right. You, you can't do anything without the Lord. But the idea is, the Lord here says in verse 16, the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So the idea here is our, our, our help comes from him, our strength comes from him. It's not us. Uh, it's not I, but Christ who lives in us. I mean, that's, that's the idea here, is um, the Lord shows Gideon where his strength lies. And then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then you show me a sign that is, that is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here. I pray until I come to you and bring you, bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in, went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour and meat he put in a basket and put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him and under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat, take the unleavened bread, lay them on the rock, pour out the broth. And he did so. Verse 21, then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. 
God, God shows his omnipotence there, huh? God is an omnipotent God. Um, now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, the Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So the Lord's given, he's, he's, he's telling Gideon where his strength is going to be, where his peace comes from. His peace comes from the fact that the Lord is going to be with him. The Lord is going to uplift him. The Lord is going to carry him through. Gideon in his own strength is the weakest, right? He might, might have been the weakest of his clan or whatever he said in verse 15. But it's not about him. It's about what the Lord can do through him. So Gideon, verse 24, built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace, Jehovah Shalom. This day it is still an Ophrah of the Abizrites. My apologies to any English people out there, so sorry about that. I probably butchered some of those. But the idea is, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace, the Lord is peace. He brings peace to our heart when we abide in his presence, Right? Are you upset? Are you agitated? Are you discouraged? Are you frustrated? Yeah, uh, that, that happens quite frequently, right? Isaiah 26, 3, we already covered it. But thou, you will keep him in perfect peace. You, Lord, will keep me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. When we're focused around here and not up here, that's what happens. Okay, I'm getting behind here. Gideon's focus is off. We saw that. There, that's what I was looking for. Perfect peace is found, is found by casting our gaze on him and not consuming ourselves with the wash around us, right? Don't get caught up in the wash. I mean, that's... I'm not a military guy, but you see military movies and they talk about the jet wash from the F-16s, right? I think that's where the term comes out. Don't, don't get caught up in the wash. Perfect peace is found by casting our gaze on him. It's not found by getting that promotion at work, right? It's not found by getting the, the, uh, the, the latest gadget or toy. I'm not a fishing guy, but my son is. Um, he just got a fancy fish finder thing you know he's been saving money for it for a long time and you know perfect peace isn't found with that um perfect peace isn't found by getting that whatever whatever it is that buying that house or or um or you name it um perfect peace is not found by what's around us here. It's by casting our gaze on the Lord and having a fixation and a focus on him. And he will provide that peace. And that, that's, that's really the key. That's really the key. Is, is It's continually having a focus on him. And when, our, when that focus is off, reorienting yourself. Cal- recalibrate. What, what, um, you know, whatever the, the case might be. Um, 
we saw he's called the Lord of Peace, Jehovah Shalom. He's called God of Peace in the Bible. There's seven times. I got the verses there. We won't go to all of them. I just pulled up one of them here. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now may the God of Peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the God of peace. And all those other passages talk about the God of peace. Very encouraging uh, passages there. He's called the Prince of Peace. His son, Jesus Christ, Sar Shalom, is called the Prince of Peace. For unto us, very common verse, we see this, recite this at uh, Christmas time in different programs. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name is called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then in the, another name in the Bible, he's also called the Lord of Peace. And I may have had this in my slide already, I'm not sure. Um, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. Yes, I did have that. The Lord be with you all. So he's called the Lord of peace. We saw that. So um, I hope you can see it wasn't for me not saying it enough. We can have the peace of God with a rest and a reliance on his provisions for us. We have this idea of no God, no peace. No God, no peace. How do we know God? Well, we spend time with God, right? We pray. We spend time in his word. We get together at church. We fellowship. We, we're under the teaching. We're, um, you know, uh, we, we have uh, devotionals. We, we have, you know, n- even, even nowadays uh, with the access- accessibility of the... <clears throat> um, you know, internet and things like that. People do devotionals with each other, you know, remotely and whatever. It's great. That, that's how you spend time occupying yourself with the Lord, right? Um, I, I saw this quote, another book that I use occasionally as I'm, I'm going through these lessons on uh, the attributes is uh, A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy. And there's, there's a lot of people that are, they're smart people, and uh, they talk way over my head. I'm not a, I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy. Um, but he had a quote in there I was just reading, and I thought it was really good. Um, he said, it says, I, I'm not, Tozer says, I'm not afraid of the devil. The devil can handle me. He's got judo I never heard of. I thought that was kind of a funny little thing. But, but he can't handle the one to whom I'm joined. He can't handle the one to whom I'm united. He can't handle the one whose nature dwells in my nature. So the idea is, is with God, all things are possible, right? The, you know, the devil, he can, he can have his way with us when we're not thinking right. But if you are occupying yourself with the Lord, um, you know, The Lord's undefeated, right? He's undefeated. That one who Tozer was talking about there, that one God provides perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Do we have God's peace when we're dealing with the wash around us? No, 
you can't be focused on the wash. You have to be focused on him. And that's what it comes down to. This is, um, you know, in, in dealing with others, in dealing with friends, in dealing with our family, focus on the Lord. His provisions are always there for us. They're always available for us. Have an occupation with him, and he provides peace. And don't have your Bible be a dust-covered Bible. When we know God, we know peace. No, K-N-O-W. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for the fact that you're a God who is so big. You're a God that is um, always in control. And you're a God that cares about all the minute details of our life. And Lord, I just pray that as we spent some time in your word here this morning that it would have been encouraging. But yet it would have been challenging and convicting from the standpoint of in order for us to truly know who you are, Lord, that we have to spend time with you and we have to spend time having a greater understanding and appreciation of who you are. I just pray for that. Pray that uh, the Spirit of God would, would direct it with the, uh, the words this morning and, the, and the, uh, then the encouragement, hopefully, that might come out of it. We're just so thankful for the, the time here, thankful for even just a great week, it sounds like, at camp. Pray for the upcoming camps, um, even uh, working out all the logistics and the details and people helping and those that are preparing messages and even just uh, the kids and the, the kids that would, are excited about signing up. We just would pray for that now. Thank you for all these things. Thankful for the, the day that you have made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Thankful for uh, the time here this morning. Pray that each and every person would have safety on their way home and whatever is going on today. In your name we pray. Amen.